Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up-and-coming brands. Anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com slash members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to give a special thanks to our sponsor, RoofNest. RoofNest makes hard shell rooftop tents that allow you to camp anywhere you can park, completely redefining car camping and turning your trips into an entirely new experience. Outside Magazine even listed them as one of their top gear picks. Whether you're into overlanding or easy weekend getaways, a RoofNest will turn any vehicle into a comfy bedroom on wheels. So how does it work? Well, the beauty of RoofNest is it's all one piece. All tents attach right to your vehicle's roof rack and come with a built-in foam mattress. And once you have it in place, it takes less than a minute to set up or stow away, which means you'll be able to get outside faster and spend way more time doing the things you love. I mean, that's why we're here in the first place, right? They just launched their newest model, the Condor XL, which is a hard shell fold-out tent perfectly suited for up to four adults. Or two if you like your space. Hey, I get it. I like the sprawl out too. And definitely check out the Falcon. It's their most popular tent by far. It's only six and a half inches tall when it's closed, and it's perfect if you want to carry additional gear or your favorite toys with the optional set of crossbars that mount to the top of the tent. I'm looking right at you, skiers, snowboarders, bikers, and kayakers. The Falcon is the one that you're going to want. Check them out at RoofNest.com to see the great variety of tents RoofNest offers or call 855-887-8897 to speak with a RoofNest team member. This podcast episode was originally recorded on November 5th, 2018. Since Buffalo Jackson is a part of our current adventure travel giveaway, we wanted to bring this episode back from the archives. We've cleaned up the audio a bit and hope that you enjoy the episode with founder Zan Hood talking about his journey in building Buffalo Jackson. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder of Buffalo Jackson, Zan Hood. Zan, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Hey, honored to be with you today. Yeah, all right. So Buffalo Jackson, for the listener that may not be aware of your brand, how would you best describe um, Buffalo Jackson? Yeah, Josh, I'd say we are we are uh, mostly an e-commerce clothing and leather goods brand that uh, is for those who really love the outdoors and uh, care about their heritage and um, probably also to some degree are living in a, a world in the suburban environment trying to uh, honor both uh, the need to work and also to uh, the love of outdoors. That's interesting. So how, how did you come up with the idea for Buffalo Jackson? Did you always feel that um, you wanted to start a business like this at some point? You know, for me, uh, it's funny because I really, my wife would answer that question by saying, you, you're really not even that good of a dresser. So uh, <laughs> the idea that I have, you know, to start a clothing company would probably tend to be someone that loved, uh, you know, 
love that world. But I, I would say for me, it really is rooted more in, in some of my story that started as a young man, really trying to figure out uh, kind of my identity as a man and what, what does it mean to be a man? And, um, and so much of, I say, my upbringing was more in an academic world and not as much in an outdoor world uh, and, and being tested in that way. So, so growing, uh, growing up in Nashville, Tennessee, I, uh, I graduated college and really felt a call and interest to uh, move out west to Colorado. And, you know, so many people seem to do that, whether it's in, uh, you know, kind of out of out of school and, and kind of go find themselves. And so a lot of that for me happened as well. And uh, it just, just recently got married. And um, from that, though, really found that uh, there was a lot of young men kind of like myself that were needing to be mentored and um, and kind of lost themselves and in growing into adulthood. So a friend of mine who uh, I met out there, we the more we, we started talking, we realized that we weren't the only ones kind of needing this. And so we started a program called Training Ground, which was really uh, for 18 to 25-year-olds that were kind of trying to figure out who they were and um, in this stage of life, uh, young men. And uh, and over the course of the years, we did that, developed out the program. It was, it was kind of an outdoor leadership program uh, that also used mentors and uh, and uh, work to really teach the values and some of the lessons that you know we, maybe we'd say our grandfathers had that we had missed. And uh, so so the business uh, Buffalo Jackson, the clothing company, actually came out of spending uh, months with these guys, uh, living life and wrestling with questions about what does it mean to be male and a man in, in our modern world and uh, figuring out who we were. And so uh, the, the brand really was an extension of, of seeing these young men kind of come of age and, uh, and for ourselves included in that. Um, the, the brand really, our hope is to really inspire uh, people to uh, grow into uh, a deeper place and who they are in character and values and uh, and so, you know, for, for me, the, the brand's probably more inspired by my roots in that and, and really how, how I felt like, in essence, God met me in that and, and invited me into that journey with other, other men as well. So That's really interesting. So you, you moved to Colorado Springs. You developed this uh, program. Um, how long after until you came up with the idea for Buffalo Jackson and then um, launched it? Did you launch with a specific product? Was there a line that you had in mind? How, how did you really go about getting everything off the ground? Yeah, well, you know, it was, I would say the the initial inspiration was kind of wrestling with the world of where I'd come from to uh, to the world of the outdoors and how do I kind of connect these two and, uh, you know, in 2009, uh, you know, a lot of that that has kind of shifted where we have a little bit more of a heritage culture and kind of back to the roots and, um, you know, flannels and things like that are, are more part of our culture now and kind of been reestablished. But back then that was more rare. And I think some of that was because uh, we had we had missed that. And so uh, for me, with with these guys, um, you know, there was a sense of, hey, what would I, I kind of asked the, the guys in the program, would you, what would you think about a brand that kind of embodied this lifestyle? And um, and, you know, they all seemed to be like, yeah, I would love that. Um, they could see that. And so so really, to be honest, Josh, we didn't have much of uh, we did, you know, running a nonprofit is you don't have a lot of access to capital. Uh, you're doing things out of passion and love. 
for for your mission. And so uh, the the vision for it came first, and then the reality that you know you had to manufacture product in the hundreds and um, and also promote it and marketing and all the business side kind of came later. And so that was in some ways it was really discouraging because you know you realize that uh, you need uh, capital, possibly a loan. Uh, you know, all these, all this infrastructure to build that out. Um, and at the time, really, that, that just wasn't something in my wheelhouse. So that began the slow process to learn that. Um, and I'd say in some ways that was the gift because I had to start, uh, you know, really from scratch and uh, learning things as I go. And I, and I didn't have a lot of capital to, uh, to mess with and to make huge mistakes. So, uh, you know, the gift in some ways looking back was, you know, starting a nonprofit where you had to kind of scrap for for everything you did, um, kind of began the model for the business too of just starting it organically and you know reaching out to individuals and sharing the idea uh, before we really had much product. So, All right, that's really interesting. So, really developing this, like if you look at Buffalo Jackson now, you guys have quite a few products, everything from flannels to sweaters to jackets to a number of different kinds of bags really all promoting that like kind of like active functional lifestyle for like for men and and women where did you start did you start with bags did you start with a few simple um pieces of clothing what what was really the the first few iterations Mm -hmm. You know, we uh, initially the the hope was to do a lot of leather goods, uh, but unfortunately, the cost to do that was uh, was kind of prohibitive. So we started with T-shirts and hats um, and and used our phrase, which we kind of came up with from the beginning was honor your wild. So kind of returning back to the roots of of, uh, you know, of where you came from and and in some ways, maybe some that haven't even gone there yet. Um, So so that phrase kind of became our rallying cry. Um, it, you know, if you looked at our first products, you would, you know, you'd say, how does that have anything to do with that? Um, our, our, our hats were subpar and t-shirts were scratchy and itchy and, you know, uh, hard to wear. And, and so that was part of the difficulty of, ha- you know, this vision that was like, okay, I could see this in my mind, what could come. But the, the reality in front of us were these kind of basic t-shirts and hats uh, and, and not much capital to kind of move that forward. So um, in, in some ways it was really frustrating because kind of the vision in my head of what it could be, but I, there was so much I had to learn about manufacturing and how apparel works. And uh, so it, it, it kind of was this slow process working with, you know, not the best products to begin with. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting when you first like, dream up an idea you you definitely have like the end goal in mind of like what it could be (laughs) but then when you start working on it you're like okay this is a long road (laughs) to get to where where i want this to be and you need people to sort of come with you like customers to be okay with that journey of like starting out with something simple maybe not the highest quality and just slowly move towards that direction yeah, it's a it's a good point, Josh. And I think, you know, sometimes when you're small, I've heard someone say when you're small, you always want to act like you're bigger than you are. And then when you're really big, you try and act like you're really small to connect with people. And so there is this, you know, you could probably see that in the beer industry, you know. Um, and I think there's this kind of shame or uh, like 
concerned that people will not uh, value that. And uh, and I think initially when I started, that was very much the a sense of like, oh, people will be embarrassed by these or they won't you know see the vision. Um, but I think what I found was so much of it was about inviting people into the story of building it. So, you know, there was even a point where we wanted to, uh, have a little storefront when we moved to Matthews, North Carolina from Colorado. And, uh, I really, we just didn't have enough money to pay for the down payment, uh, to paint the, paint the space, to buy flooring so, you know, what we decided to do was just offer, we had some neckties that we did that was a, a bison buffalo and we did a gold, a golden kind of limited edition tie. And we just said, hey, if you're willing to help us, you know, we'll sell these to you and we need to sell 10 of these. And if we sell 10, we can paint the store. And then uh, a couple of days later, uh, we needed wood flooring. And so we said, hey, if we could, you know, sell 20 of these, we can buy the wood flooring for the store. And, you know, early on, that was really a, a unique way. Uh, it was out of a necessity, but it was really just to invite people into that process of the brand. And so, you know, I think for for me, it was really a great lesson of like people just as much want to be a part of that and know, you know, where you are. And the reality was like it might have been a good marketing idea. I don't know. But it, it was a it was a reality for us of like, hey, this actually helped pay for these things. You know, we didn't have capital somewhere else. So. Um, sometimes we, you know, we kind of sense like, oh, we don't want to tell people that. But I think as a small startup, you know, that's one of your great strengths is you can, you know, invite people into your story and where you're at in life. Because most of us, you know, we're struggling in some area and uh, and we connect to that, you know. That's so very true. Now, okay, so you spent four years in Colorado and then in 2013 you moved to Matthews, North Carolina. Um, I guess what I want to ask you in terms of the growth and sort of the exposure when you launched in 2009, was it, was it with t-shirts and hats? What was it like getting the exposure out there? Did you grow pretty well organically? Was there anything that you did um, that really helped put you on the map and build that following so that you had a reliable customer base? You know, the, the thing that really helped us at that time, Josh, was the was Facebook was just kind of entering into the space of, uh, of people probably promoting on there and sharing uh, kind of businesses were just starting to kind of be active. So we were more of a first adopter in, in that space where if you put up a post, everybody would see it. Um, and so what I did was I just got on Facebook and started messaging um, individuals that seemed to fit the profile of our brand if they would be interested in being a campus rep. And so I just invited people in and shared kind of our heart and passion of why we're doing this. And, uh, and I found, you know, I think it was within about a week. I mean, I just put up a website, um, kind of shared the vision of it. Still didn't have a product yet. Um, but invited uh, these young men, you know, just messaged them, told us what the brand was, looking for campus reps and ambassadors. And I mean, we had a couple hundred people sign up within about a week. Um, and so now you can't do that on Facebook anymore. You can't privately message like that um, in that way. But um, at that time, that opened up the door for, you know, connecting to kind of the uh, the, the World Wide Web of of folks similar, you know, so there are other ways to do that now, but at that time, that was a, a great opportunity to kind of share the vision. And then from there, we were able to grow with those, uh, you know, with those reps and, and build out the brand. 
So what would you say to these reps? Like what would be the value proposition for them to work with you, especially when you were so young and didn't really have a product yet? I mean, that, well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, in some ways I look back and go, wow, the, the folks that joined in on that, you know, I think it, in some ways we were offering, you know, product at a discount and, and things like that. But I think honestly, it was a lot of people that were passionate about uh, feeling like clothes had kind of been lost to a more modern look. Um, and that, you know, so much of it was about kind of getting back to our roots and uh, kind of even things like a little bit of we would say, you know, would our grandfathers be proud to wear these types of clothes? Um, and I think a lot of guys resonated with that. Um, you know, for us, uh, I've heard something from the Art of Manliness podcast with Brett McKay. He said that we tend to uh, react to our fathers, um, kind of their how they raised us. And if you look at your grandfather, your father reacted to him and then you probably reacted to your father. So the tendency is for you to relate as much to your grandfather and see that there is a piece of him that maybe uh, you, you know, some of it might be idealized, but a lot of maybe what is needed uh, in us. And so I think there's always a sense that, you know, in the past there, there has been something that maybe has been lost and that we need to regain it. And so uh, for us, you know, coming from the training ground and the, the young men's program, that was something we really believed in. We're trying to instill in young men through mentoring and uh, discipleship training and, and teaching them these, these valuable skills. Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of these guys that were out in, in their, you know, 18 to 25, mostly in college and some that are out in the working world, I think there was just a general sense of we need, you know, we need this as young men and, you know, we want to, uh, you know, be a part of this mission. So I think missionally, it, there was a piece there that I think connected to guys in a deeper way. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The first time I stumbled across your website, that's sort of the thought that went, came past my mind was like, wow, <laughs> I would wear this, you know what I mean? And I would feel Ooh. good wearing it, you know what I mean? Like it... Um, fits a more like rugged outdoorsy sort of lifestyle but also is nice you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. not like you're wearing ripped jeans that have paint all over them you know what i mean when you're outside doing something physical right it's sort of more um appealing and just makes more sense like i, I feel like i don't have a great way of explaining it yeah no I, I mean i think you know as our culture has become more casual. I think the idea of kind of outdoor, uh, but also where you could wear, wear it out for the evening, something that could kind of mix the two, you know, yeah, rugged, but still classic, you know, somewhere in the mix of those. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like for example, the Yukon wool shirt jacket, like I've been wearing that for the, uh, I've had it for a few weeks and I've worn it a few times and everyone's just like, wow, that's awesome. Where'd you get that? You know what I mean? And I feel like everyone's just like, that's so unique. And I'm like, mm. it is. But it's also like kind of original in the fact, or not original, but like it's something that's been around for a while. Yeah. There's not that many brands make, make clothing that looks that way anymore. Yeah, Josh. Well, I think that, you know, in clothing, you know, for the most part, everything's already been invented. So there's not a ton of new innovation in the sense of styles or design, so to speak. Um, but I think some of that is, you know, kind of going back into the past and asking, you know, what what has always been there. And um, and so, you know, one of the things I love doing is going to uh, there's a there's an old uh, uh, mill that's here in town that 
that closed down a while ago, but turned into an antique uh, store. And it's probably like four football fields of just antiques and uh, collector items throughout the whole place. And, you know, I just love to get lost in there. And uh, because most of it has to do with the past, you know, and there's it's not always clothing or leather bags, but there's often uh, items and things that connect to me or bring a story up that I would be curious about. Um, and, you know, that that often is what we're missing in kind of our postmodern reinvent ourselves. you know, every five years way is that, you know, we're not really connected to a story of the past. And so for me that, you know, that is a big part of, you know, we're not trying to pretend we're the latest or greatest or uh, we're doing something completely innovative. But I think part of it is to honor, you know, where we've come from in our past and, you know, uh, and also to add something to that, right? So to contribute some piece along with what has already been there. And so it's not just to copy the old thing, but hopefully to add an element of our, you know, where we are today. So, you know, I think to your point of the, you know, that shirt, I think if it's, if anything, it's not, it's more of like, wow, rediscovering something that's always been there, you know, and just sharing it with people again. Yeah. And hearing you talk about that, I was kind of just thinking in my mind, like when I dress up, I kind of feel like I'm, I don't fit in. Does that make sense? And wearing something more along the lines of like Buffalo Jackson style clothing, while it's nicer, I feel like I do fit in wearing that. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I do relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. There's there, like, we don't want to work too hard, but then we also want to show that we care. Right. And uh, exactly. Yeah. There's a balance there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the question too, in that I think Josh is like, how do our clothes reflect who we are? And, um, I think, you know, that, you know, when you're in a, uh, in the, this is more of a marketing world, you know, the tendency is to market things, uh, on a superficial level of like, okay, what do people need? Um, you know, what's going on in the culture? Let's speak to that. And I think, you know, we are in that space. So, you know, I would for the most part say yes, but I do think that often there's a deeper thing going on within all of us that is connected to our humanity and who we are. And, and so, you know, to me, clothes kind of speak to a deeper thing of what we're searching for, you know? And so I, I would never say the clothes make the man or the woman, but I think they reflect something of the inner self and, uh, and who you are. And so I, to me, that would be the great hope, you know, as you talk about even how you think about how you dress and wear, like if you're trying to hide something or, uh, you know, pretend, you know, there are certain things out there that might help you with that. My hope in our brand would be it's kind of an invitation into who you are and and really the man behind that or the woman behind that would would have more of the character reflected than even the product on the outside, you know. So so for us, that's probably a big thing is, you know, we don't want to be a fly by the night brand. You know, we want to be relatable to people and, uh, you know, people that, are uh, strong and weak and, you know, love the outdoors, but then are fearful in other areas and we're not perfect people, you know? So uh, I think to have that honest conversation, you know, in some level is what we hope in the people that we're our close to. Definitely. All right. So going back to the beginning, you started with t-shirts and hats. How with you, uh, you mentioned earlier that like your wife would say that you maybe weren't 
the best dresser, <laughs> so to speak. Yes, and, and that still is true, I would say. She would, I think it still holds true. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you go about um, designing all of the products that you now offer? Because like, obviously, like you were saying, you didn't have the most experience with this sort of thing. Now, just obviously the the apparel in itself, and then obviously all the bags that you guys now offer. What was that process like? Did you have to bring in people to really help you develop that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, Josh. Um, you know, I would say so much of you know in this area was if if you you know sometimes your blind spots uh, are things that you don't realize about yourself. And I think I think for me, to your point of kind of realizing that that really needing help here. Um, and so between, you know, part of what I look at is the past, you know, what, what's been told before and what is true and what will be true in the years to come. And often there is a consistency there, even in clothing and leather goods that, you know, uh, and so looking in the past, like looking at a, a U.S. postal mailbag that people used to carry, um, looking at an old, messenger bag with a lock on it, um, you know, finding that in the antique store, finding a few flannels, I'd, you know, go on eBay and, and look for, you know, 1970s vintage flannels and understand what those patterns were and colors. You know, a lot of that was kind of the searching for trying to understand that um, and connect to that. And then, you know, from here, really, we, our team currently, we have 13 people on our team. And so the beauty of what's happened since then is, uh, you know, I mean, in anything, you know, you kind of have to start, you have to do everything, but, but the story, you know, from where we've been then to now is really the, the team's role and involvement there and how much, um, you know, the people that come together and share and have vision for that, um, you know, they far surpassed me. So really now it's more of, looking at the ideas the team have put together and, and really blessing that or offering some feedback here and there. But, um, you know, even the shirts you were talking about, those were, you know, those were put together, uh, by our team. And, uh, so I feel like, you know, that also is a gift to have people that actually are, are better than you, you know? Definitely. What's been the hardest part about building Buffalo Jackson? You know, I think uh, as a clothing and leather goods brand, the the idea I'd mentioned earlier was, you know, you always want to project something bigger than you are. or That's what you think when you're small. And so that was a tough fight for me to uh, to not have, uh, you know, when I started the brand, I just had a few thousand dollars in my account, um, not a lot of experience in the industry, uh, little knowledge of it. And so uh, then the, the sense was I've got to, uh, I've got to project more or I've got to have all this capital so I can create all these clothes. Um, and that was probably the most difficult hurdle to overcome was actually enjoying that we were small and allowing that process to actually grow us. And, um, and that took a while. I, I, I think I was probably trying to project b- bigger uh, at the time. And then at some point just kind of accepting that, like, actually this is a part of the story that, you know, we are trying to invite people into this. Um, that really changed for me, um, and a lot, just, you know, kind of accepting that this was going to be a process to grow. Uh, and so, you know, some of that also affected the decisions on whether to raise capital and find investors where, um, you know, we really, 
focused on more of slow growth. Um, and, uh, so that shift from trying to like be everything and do all things and project this bigness to really just, you know, honor that, Hey, this is a process and we're, you know, we hope to grow and continue to grow, but you know, each steps, uh, one part of that. What would you say is your greatest fear in regards to Buffalo Jackson and how do you manage it? You know, I'd say change would be my answer to that. Um, on one level, starting something changes is actually the feels like the as an entrepreneur, you know, to be motivated that way of something new. And I think if something it seems for our case becomes established um, and grows, uh, the the sense of you wanting to kind of hold on to the old, uh, keep the old business model. Here's how we used to do it kind of adage. Um, but the reality is, you know, we live in a changing world and a changing culture and uh, technology is changing. Um, so, you know, so much of the brand really has to continue to evolve in that. And and so I see that with uh, the team now, you know, seeing who who's on our team and is bringing their voice to this message where it used to just be me. Now it's actually a team that's making these decisions and, and you know, has many equally rights throughout the whole company of what, what are we going to do here or there? And, uh, and in some ways, you know, I think we love change, but we hate change. And so, uh, I think for, for me really, and, and some of that has been allowing, uh, allowing them to step up and be greater and me to be less in certain ways, because they're going to be the future, um, and their ideas and thoughts and, uh, how to envision the brand, what to do. And, and so, you know, that's hard as a, a founder, you know, you want to get in there and, um, often, you know, you think you have the best ideas and, and sometimes maybe that's the case, but often it's not, you know, and to, to let go of that and let others shape that. So I think, you know, that has probably been something I've been trying to be aware of is, uh, you know, to not try and hold on to what is current, but, let the team move that into the future, which, you know, that involves trust, you know, and, and so hiring the right people and, uh, empowering them and, and trusting them. And I think that that for us, that really is there and we have, we have that. Um, and, and that's also what gets me excited. Uh, but it, it can be difficult. If someone, if you were talking to someone that wanted to start a business, uh, whether it was a, uh, apparel lifestyle brand or really just a brand in general, how would you, um, what advice would you give them? You know, I would say the, the best advice I ever heard was, uh, from a sales rep, uh, from a guy that heard it from another guy. So it must've been passed down three or four generations, which that to me already says there's some wisdom in that if it's still being passed on. Um, he said, uh, in this industry, you want to buy a little and sell a little and buy a little more and sell a little more. Uh, if you can do that, you're on your way. And so I think one of the, uh, the truths in that, that I think I've slowly discovered, um, is that we, we tend to think that initially we want to create a product or have a service and, um, we need to buy a lot of it or have a lot of it. And then all of a sudden we're stuck with a lot of product trying to promote it and sell it. But I think starting small and not despising that smallness, whether it's doing a prototype or two or making it yourself, um, you know, starting small and learning from that. So 
I think the tendency for people is right before they go out of business, they realize these lessons. They go, oh, okay, I know this now. Now that we've gone through these different things, I should probably do this. But then they're out of cash or they're in debt. Um, you know, they've learned these lessons. So I think if you can create a runway in your product, uh, your company, where you have a longer uh, time to, to learn and a learning curve, it really gives yourself grace to where you don't have to demand that to happen all at once. So having, um, you know, the, the tendency for a lot of people is I've got to make a profit quickly um, versus, hey, what if we created a great product or, or shared this idea and over time as that built, we, could, we can assume profit will come. And I think that, you know, the, especially in product development um, companies, you know, if you're making something, you know, your first items, if you're making 10 of them, you know, the cost is going to be a lot. But if you make 200 of them, you know, your margins are different. So I think to not be that concerned about initially creating a great profit, but really creating a great product and, and knowing that in the in, in time as you can grow, that those will scale and price gets better. And, um, you know, I, I think that's something that when, when I talk to entrepreneurs, the tendency is to try and make it sustainable quickly. And then sometimes that's a demand because of, you know, let's say income needs, but if you can have a long runway and, you know, work part-time jobs, there's a little bit more of a freedom for those lessons to be learned as the business grows. I assume that means when you got things off the ground with Buffalo Jackson, you did have part-time work to pay the bills, so to speak, while you developed that great product. Yeah, that, that's right. I, I was working uh, house painting. I, I was a house painter uh, prior to starting Training Ground, the nonprofit leadership ministry, and then uh, and then when we started the business again, stepped back into that, and it was it was very difficult. Uh, but it was necessary to to move move that forward. And then we, we actually ended up selling our house um, to use a little bit of that, the proceeds we had from that. And uh, and we were, you know, we were scraping there at the end to go. We were hoping that that curve started to move up. Um, and, you know, uh, God willing, that happened just at the right time. So it's always stressful in those early days. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yes. Where do you see Buffalo Jackson going in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? You know, for us, uh, the last year for me has been, re has realized, I've realized that I'm more of a founder entrepreneur and so um, more of a starter. And, and so for me to see that the, where the company is, we really needed a, uh, a kind of fresh leadership. And so through uh, a re relationship I had prior, uh, knew a gentleman that had been in the business world and community here in Charlotte where we live and realized that he could be a guy that could step into our business and really lead it financially, um, practically, leadership, um, accountability. And so, uh, you know, the unique thing for me, Josh, being in this position where it was like, you know what, I think, I think for this thing to keep growing, you know, th there needs to be a new leader to, to lead our team. Um, so when it comes to kind of the next few years, I mean, I could sit here and, you know, share things and ideas, but I, I think honestly, uh, his name is Glenn, he is really shaping that and he's learning the business and uh, working with the team and setting that up. Um, and so, you know, I, I would say uh, as far as the heart and soul of the company and the culture, I would hope that we would continue to honor 
the traditions of, uh, you know, the past and, and understanding product comes from, you know, from that and uh, a lot with the outdoors. But as far as like specifically strategy and where we're headed, you know, one of the gifts of, uh, of this season for me is really to empower the leadership to, to make those decisions and see where they see uh, the future is. So uh, maybe we can have another conversation with them one day uh, talking about that. And I think that's in the formation right now uh, as they work together on that. But uh, I think the future's good. And, um, you know, we're not trying to take over the world, uh, but we would love to be a good, a good brand that would last for, you know, many generations. And, um, and I think that, you know, the hope is that, that the team can, can move it into that direction. What's the best part about running Buffalo Jackson? I would say, uh, the, the gift right now for me is, uh, one, I'm, I'm really as the founder that we have a CEO now, Glenn, I'd mentioned. And so running it is, I'm probably less the word running because running is what I felt for a long time. It was, it was right. a long, heavy sprint. I think what what the gift of is now is probably more helping with vision and creativity. And so uh, that has been a great gift to when you're doing the operations. And, you know, a lot of times when you're having to do so many things, you you can lose kind of vision and inspiration. And so over the last few months, that's kind of been the path for me is to try and get that back personally. And, um, you know, even with my family, having a little more time to to reconnect with them and uh, nature and, and really, you know, what the brand's about. It's funny how you can, you know, easily lose that in the, the day to day. Um, so, you know, the, the best part to me for running the company, I think is going to be to be more uh, an inspirational part of it and, uh, and really championing others and the team and coming alongside when I'm needed and also, you know, stepping aside when I'm not, um, and, uh, you know, to, to see it grow. So, uh, I think that for, for me being more of an idea guy, I think that probably is a better place anyways. Love it. I love, uh, hearing everything you, um, you've worked on up to this point and how passionate you are about, um, the starting and building of Buffalo Jackson and, um, really excited to see where things go in the future, um, with the brand and, all the things that you have um, in the pipeline. Now, for the listener that wants to keep tabs uh, on Buffalo Jackson and all the future projects that you guys have going on, where is the best place for them to do that? You know, we, uh, we're pretty active so- on social. So obviously Facebook and Instagram. And then our, our website is buffalojackson.com. And uh, we would welcome folks to come check out our products and uh, and give us any comments or feedback. Um, I definitely, Josh, appreciate what you do, man. And uh, one of the gifts of 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 you, you know, asking questions to all these small brands and small businesses is you know giving a voice to those and uh, and hopefully inspiring who else is out there listening to to consider uh, moving into you know ideas and products and and helping people, uh, you know in those areas because it's a great time to be alive and uh, be an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, you can do a lot with your, uh, your computer in front of you and an idea and, and, uh, and, and having a heart to, and a vision to see that out. So it's a, it's a good time to be alive in our culture right now. And, and I hope that more will be inspired to do that too. I couldn't agree more. And for anyone listening between October 13th and November 20th, you can actually Enter to win uh, a few gift cards from 
Buffalo Jackson, along with a ton of other gear on Red Yeti. Um, so just head over to RedYeti.com for your chance to win before November 20th. And with that, Zan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your story, sharing the story of Buffalo Jackson and all the great things you guys are working on. Hey, Josh, thank you. So honored to be with you today, man. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Yeti Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Oh,